You're listening to the Fix My Feet podcast. Solutions for every step in your journey with the nation's leading foot and ankle specialists. Welcome back, everybody. It's Dr. Waters, Dr. Leonard, foot and ankle surgeons with Platte River Foot and Ankle Surgeons here at uh, the Fix My Feet podcast. Back for another awesome episode. How are you doing, Dr. Leonard? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. Check out some of our recent episodes. I know it's been highly downloaded where we talk about bunions and hammer toes and some ingrown toenails and some common foot elements that we deal with all the time. You can check those out at the Fix My Feet podcast. There's a link on our website. Also, yeah, check those out as they get broadcast through your different podcast outlets. Like and share and comment anything. Uh, you can always check us out on YouTube as well. Today, we're going to talk about a super common deformity that we deal with all the time in the foot and ankle world, and that is flat feet. And everybody knows or the term flat feet, but we kind of dive into it more from our standpoint, you know, with, with what flat feet are. So I think that that's probably the best place to kick this off, uh, Dr. Leonard's, is, you know, we get patients, moms, dads, older patients always, oh, my feet are so flat, you know, like what exactly is is a flat foot, you know, and then we can kind of break into maybe some varying levels of flat feet as well. Yeah, flat feet. I mean, there, there's a very wide gamut of, of presentation for flat feet. And they're recently changing kind of the description of it in terms of a deformity in general, more of just a collapsing deformity because there's so many different levels that people can come in at pretty minimal ones. There's, you know, where they have no arch at all. And they're basically, you know, that arch is touching the ground the entire time they're walking. So it's very variable how patients present. I think statistically, it's about a quarter of the population that has some form of a, uh, a flat foot. And so that's a relatively common number. If you think about the amount of people in the world, 25% of them, 20, 25%. So it's something we do see pretty frequently. And occasionally it's, because of just they don't like the way it looks. Sometimes they've noticed some changes with their stability with walking. Sometimes it's related to pain. So the reason for presentation can vary greatly and the actual appearance of the foot can vary greatly. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. And and for those who aren't involved, you know, daily in the foot and ankle world like you and I are, there there is we are starting to differentiate just kind of this this congenital flat foot that's not painful, you know, you just have a lower arch than maybe say somebody else in the family or somebody else versus true what we're now calling progressive collapsing foot deformities where there's actual actual collapse of the foot going on and actual change in the structure of the foot. And those are two very completely different things and two probably ends of the spectrum if we talk about flat feet on a spectrum. And the approaches to those are, are very, very different depending on where they're at on that, uh, on that spectrum. So I think we're getting better at, at helping define those kinds of things a little bit better. I think one question that, that I think of after that is, you know, are flat feet inherited? I get asked that all the time. Like, is, that, is this just something, you know, do I, did I get my dad's feet? Did I get my mom's feet? Like, what's the deal here? Are your thoughts about the congenital nature of flat feet and, and is that problematic or not problematic? There's definitely a congenital, I mean, a, you know, a genetic component to it. And I think it can depend because 
you know, if you have a kid that comes in who's three and they've got a flat foot, right? Like it may not be related to anything genetic. That might just be how their feet are developing. And so you have to wait till, you know, people get a little bit older towards osteous maturity to see what's, how that foot is going to, you know, end up. But there's definitely, it's multifactorial for sure. There can be genetic components to it. There can be uh, lifestyle components to it, especially as we get older or if the arthritis is vol- involved or, or things like that, especially traumatic injury and things can also cause flat feet. So it's, there's definitely a component of that for sure. And honestly, you know, identifying that early can be beneficial so that you can implement some of the conservative management, you know, options that we'll probably talk about today in order to hopefully at least decrease some of the pain involved or decrease some of the progression as they grow and mature. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. Like on the inherited piece, uh, I get moms and dads in here and and I totally get it. Like with their kids worried about when they're very young, that they're flat footed or that they, they kind of have this gait where their toes point outwards. And and I think it's important for moms and dads who might be listening to this to, to, to realize that your leg rotates outwards as the kiddos continue to develop the external, what we call externally rotate. And so what you're seeing when they're very young, two, three, four years old, is not necessarily the shape of foot that we're going to end up with when they're adult because their legs are continuing to externally rotate and rotate outwards, which which helps to lift the arch essentially a little bit of the foot. And so it's good to be preventative, I think, at that stage. And I think, you know, with little kiddos, there's no, no harm in having a little orthotic or something in the shoe. But most most little kiddos you know, especially if it's not painful, don't need a whole lot of things because they are still continuing to grow and develop in the pediatric world. And a lot of them will grow and develop out of uh, a lot of the things that that we're talking about. Any other thoughts for you, Dr. Leonard, on those pediatric or those really young kids that come in with potential flat foot deformity? Yeah, and even in that that kind of range two to three, I mean, most of those bones aren't even ossified yet in the foot. So there's just a bag of cartilage in the foot and they're walking around on it. So that's completely normal for them to have some, some decrease, you know, structure. They're still relatively new to heel to toe gait and just normal biomechanics of the foot. So all that stuff generally for the majority of people, like we talked about, you know, 20, 25% end up with a flatter foot, but for three fourths of the population that will work its way out as that, that kid starts to develop. So, so that's kind of the young pediatric population. You know, when we get, start getting into adults and we start talking about this progressive collapsing foot deformity and the various natures of those, uh, some of that is is caused by some of the soft tissue structure around the foot. And I don't, I don't think everybody always understands that. You know, that there's tendons and and biomechanics that really drive some of these deformities. So just just briefly from your end, Dr. Leonard, some of those maybe soft tissue structures or biomechanical forces or causes that we can kind of help educate our patients on that might be exacerbating and or causing some of the issues that we're dealing with. Yeah. And for flat feet specifically, I mean, it's it's still kind of, a, we're still trying to figure out the exact causes. And because it's so variable, we don't, you know, know every, not every case is the same, but there can be you know, ligamentous laxity around those bones in the foot, ligaments connect bones to other bones. And so when there's laxity in those, the structure can be a little bit more mobile than, than you want. That can lead to arthritis, that can lead to extra stress on the tendons, trying to stabilize those, the bones and the arches of the foot. And so that can lead to 
issues with tendons. You can have it the other way where there's injury to a tendon and it's not functioning correctly. And so you've got extra stress on the static kind of stabilizers like the ligaments and things like that in the foot. Tight calves, Aquinas is a, is a very prominent driver of a lot of foot pathology, but flat foot as well. It's almost always found in conjunction with people with, who have flat feet because it's a, an issue that basically encourages the foot to pronate and flatten out in order to increase some range of motion across the ankle joint when you have tight calves and issues with the back of the leg. So that's a common one we see as well. And a lot of that is just a combination of those three. I'll get people with a posterior tibial tendon injury who have a progressive flat foot. Um, there's some with no history of tendon pain, but they have a flat foot. There's some with a lot of tendon pain that have a flat foot. So it's very variable from that standpoint, but it's usually a combination of, of those three things in some form or fashion. Yeah, that, well said. I think that that highlights the nature. These are complex deformities in, in most cases involving multiple planes and like we said, static, dynamic, and bony structural issues can all be, can all play a factor. And not one deformity is necessarily like the other, although there are some common themes throughout these deformities, not, not one is the exact same as the other. And uh, the plan for each of them has to you know, vary a little bit from, from patient to patient. Some of the things that, that I did want to uh, highlight with this though is that tight calf, just like Dr. Leonard said. So if you're at home thinking, you know, I have flat feet, what's maybe some things that I could do, you know, with my flat feet, I think definitely assessing how tight your calf muscle is, is a good thing to do. If you can do some calf stretches, if you can do some things like that at home, that might really help, you know, with the, any potential structural changes down the road that you might have by trying to address some of the tightness in your calf and likewise, you know, if you're having issues with, you know, on either side of the ankle joint with some of the tendons that Dr. Leonard's talked about, again, some some good supportive shoes or early physical therapy, things like that can really help in some of those conditions because some of those injuries and or chronic overuse conditions of some of those tendons can really get exacerbated down the road and, and end up in a much uh, bigger situation so those are all important things to realize that we are dealing with all those kind of structures when we deal with these deformities and assessing those deformities. Your thoughts on Dr. Leonard's, because I get, I get patients in all the time uh, who may, maybe they have a flat foot, but not painful. I mean, it's just, that's just their foot is just, it's just a flat foot. And on x-ray, there's not really a whole lot of structural like changes or anything like that. What are your thoughts about those those who might be listening to this? You're like, well, I just have flat feet, but they don't really bother me. What are what are your thoughts about that? I think for those patients, just supports the the name of the game and flexibility. So like you talked about, I mean, there's probably some level of uh, calf tightness or equinus involved, and so stretching, range of motion stuff for sure, and then good supportive shoes. I try and get you know the majority of these patients into a medical grade or a custom orthotic to just help support that arch because it might not be painful now, but these are, you know, like the description is changing to, they tend to be progressive. It's just difficult to tell how much they progress or how fast they progress for every person, but giving them the support that they need early on can not only help decrease your chances of having pain down the road, but also a lot of times with, with flatter feet, you might not have pain, but a lot of these patients have 
a feeling of instability when they walk and things like that because of the laxity of the of the joints and the hypermobility of the foot and so that can also increase their stability especially if they're runners or or active you know people who like to walk and, and do things which can help their quality of life for sure yeah i think that that's important prevention is the name of the game there yeah, because I do see those adults who they come in with horrifically painful, awful flat feet in their later adults. We're talking 60s, 70s. You know, I've had a couple in their 80s even. But they're like, I was flat-footed my whole life, you know. And so I'm sure they're the people we're talking about right now. Like, I have flat feet, but they don't really bother me. And if we can address that in a preventative manner, that's always a way better outcome for patients and uh, everybody involved than it is when, when I get that patient, you know, later in life who's got a, a significant deformity now that is quite painful because of, you know, the longstanding nature of the, of the flat feet. So I think that's well said from a preventative standpoint. So, you know, kind of going on and we're kind of working our way down the spectrum, you know, but, you know, for those patients, you know, they're starting to experience a little bit of pain you know, it's getting more consistent. Your thoughts about what to do with patients in that in that kind of a category, Dr. Lawrence. Usually with them, I would still, you know, if we haven't explored that orthotic landscape yet, I would still work down that pathway. As you start to get a little bit more pain, you know, depending on how much it's impacting daily life and things like that, they may need to be, you know, a little bit more protected weight bearing for a period of time. It's a common issue to put a patient in a walking boot for several weeks. There's, you know, oral steroids, anti-inflammatory medications, icing, you know, decreased activity, whatever the cause is that you notice the pain is worse during, you know, obviously decrease those so that you can give whatever the issue is time to heal, whether that's the tendon or whether you're just having some pain through the arch or whether you're getting, you know, plantar fasciitis because of the flatter foot or thing, all those types of things can crop up. So decrease in activity for sure. And a lot of times physical therapy is an option at that point. If you're having some discomfort, there's shockwave therapy. There's a number of things that we can try to alleviate that inflammation and, you know, improve your pain. And then long-term, once we calm it down, the name of the game still is support to prevent reoccurrence as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the time, you know, if you're getting in this category, a consultation with a doctor, with a, a physician, with a surgeon is, is appropriate at this point. If it's getting more consistent for you, if you tried some of that home stuff that we kind of chatted about, but all the things Dr. Leonard just said, and I'm not going to repeat those, are absolutely appropriate in that category. I think the other thing that we need to determine in this category is, do you actually have a structural like deformity issue or is this all just, you know, biomechanical soft tissue, like overuse, you know, though I think those, that becomes an important differentiator at this point is, is there structural alignment issues in the foot or lower leg that that's causing this, or is this all just caused by biomechanics and tendons being a little bit tighter than they should be? And those kinds of things, those are two different, scenarios completely in my hands. Your thoughts about that, Dr. Leonard? Yeah, definitely. If you're coming in, you know, for this type of issue, expect, you know, x-rays, expect, you know, possible ultrasound to look at those osseous structures, tendinous structures. And because, yeah, if there's significant, you know, structural deformity or if there's arthritis involved in joints and things like that, that's a completely different, you know, treatment 
algorithm we're going to go down versus some tendon inflammation or some tightness that we can, you know, improve with soft tissue releases or stretching or range of motion exercises or, or all those types of things. So definitely we have to, you know, see how those things look on x-ray and ultrasound so we can make an, you know, an adequate assessment. And the other thing I want to highlight about this deformity, and I think the nomenclature is getting better, like we said, it's progressive collapsing foot deformity. And so these tend to be progressive in nature at some level. And so I think for patients at home, you know, maybe I'm having a little bit of pain, you know, what you're really wanting to look for is, are you having changes to the foot? Like, are you noticing that, oh, my arch was not that low like last year or, or a couple of years ago. It seems like I'm having to get wider and wider shoes because my foot shape keeps changing. Like those are telltale signs that there's probably more going on than just, you know, an average somebody who has a genetically inherited flat foot, you know, who needs to be in that orthotic as we kind of talked about today. If you're, if you're noticing those progressive changes to the foot, to the shape, to the arch of the foot, where more and more of the arch is on the ground when you stand, then those are things that we need to discuss that may require more advanced treatment than just the run-of-the-mill flat foot deformity. And so keeping an eye for progressive changes of the foot, I think, is an important tidbit for somebody at home. Any mm -hmm. thoughts around that, Dr. Leonards? No, definitely. Uh, and I think, you know, with that, as things progress, they tend to get, they're not more difficult to treat, but you do burn some bridges for treatment options as things progress. And so once you get to a point where things are rigid and we can't really, you know, mobilize the foot or whether there's advanced arthritis somewhere, that can change how we have to treat things and that can, you know, take out some of the, the earlier treatment options. Um, so it is definitely something to keep an eye on and, and make sure if you notice those changes, um, you have it evaluated so that we can, you know, get a jump start on things. Because a lot of this, like we talked about, you know, three or four times already is just preventative stuff, trying to keep this from progressing, staying ahead of it and keeping it from reoccurring once it's happened. Yeah, those are all excellent points. And that's where we want to try and be with these deformities. Unfortunately, a lot of the times when we get them in our hands, they, they've progressed beyond, you know, maybe a, a preventative just orthotic type stage. And as Dr. Leonard had talked about, you know, we have actual structural alignment issues in the foot. We have arthritis that's building up because of those malalignment issues. And we, or we have, you know, significant pain and or significant tendon disease that's not going to be reversible or, you know, help with like physical therapy and some things like that. So when we get to those cases, those are the cases where we, we kind of get left with a couple options. And that one is either long-term bracing of the foot or surgical reconstruction of the foot. And so that, those are kind of like the final two things. And this, on the surgical side, it, there's a wide variety. Like if we get it early, mm -hmm. it's flexible. A lot of times it can be fixed, you know, without us doing fusions and things like that. If we get them in an advanced stage, they can get as advanced as like the ankle starts to be involved in these deformities. And so those, those become a whole nother ball of wax from a reconstructive side of things. And so, so, I mean, there's wide variety. I think 
we, in lieu of taking another 20 minutes discussing surgical reconstruction of the flat foot, I think we'd do that next time. That's uh, a whole but, podcast, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there's too much there to dive into. But I think we could hit, since we've hit a lot of the preventative stuff today, the AFO and and uh, and some casting bracing options. Dr. Leonard, your high-level view of AFO bracing and what patients should know about what bracing can or can't do for them in some of these deformities. I love braces. I think patients like the idea of braces. In actuality, there's a little bit more to it than, you know, just throwing a shoe on. I mean, generally, these are, if we're at a point where we're doing long-term bracing, they can be a little bit cumbersome to put on depending on the type of brace you get. They can be, you know, lace-up leather, kind of a gauntlet brace where that ankle joint doesn't move. You can have braces where there is an ankle joint and some mobility there if we've caught it early enough, but still sometimes can cause issues fitting into shoes and things like that. So it's definitely a a lifestyle change for sure. And these braces only work when you have them on, so you got to wear them um, for them to do anything. They're not curing anything when they're on so that you can take them off and not have pain. If you don't wear them, you'll still have the pain. You'll still have the deformity. They're all, all they're doing is just holding you in place so that we're not having exacerbation of it with your activity so that you can do the things that you want to do without too much discomfort. But I think that's the hardest thing with these is, you know, if you're 60, now you got to wear this thing for the next, you know, 20, 30 years of your life. And I think in theory, people feel like they could do that, but I think in reality, it tends to not be quite as easy as that. And usually they know how well that's going to go in about yeah. six months. They know yeah. if they're going to be wearing that thing. Some people love it and they're like, yeah, yeah. throw oh, it yeah. on. It's easy. It doesn't cause me any problems. And other people will try it for a month and say, well, I can't. <laughs> I, I forget to wear it all the time. I can't get it on. I can't find a shoe yeah. that fits for it. And so, and that's just the nature of the braces because these are, yeah. you know, aggressive deformities. And so you have to have enough support to hold everything in place. And so that's just the nature of the beast with them, but they do work well and it's definitely worth a shot, you know, before surgery, if that's something that you're interested in. Yeah. I I mean, I agree on all those fronts. Like they work. There's like anybody says they don't work. They work for those who choose to wear them. Just like Dr. Leonard said, like, and my patients that wear them and wear them every day and I see them once a year or something like that, just to see how they're doing they're happy as clams to be completely honest with you, but mm-hmm. it is a lifestyle difference. Like I think that that's the biggest thing that, and, and Dr. Leonard's hit on that. Like, are you willing, like when you have a family event that's going to last all day, are you willing to put this, this brace on and wear this brace around and maybe have to answer some questions about the brace, like consistently, you know, about what that, what is that for? And, and maybe not wear the shoes that you, want to wear to the event, you know, because these are, like you said, bigger braces because we're dealing with all this, these force that, that gets transferred through the lower leg when you walk and stand. And so it's got to be something that's sturdy enough to be able to withstand those kind of forces. So it's not like we, we can put like just this slim little nylon thing on there like we do with some of our athletes in a preventative measure it's bigger. They're made of harder plastic. They're designed to transfer load up the leg, take, you know, and so we've got to be able to do those kinds of things. And so are you willing to do those kinds of things? I think is a good question for patients. The other thing I would add to that is that 
these are custom braces. This is not like something you can walk into Walmart or walk into your nearest drugstore and purchase a brace that's going to be sufficient for you with these kind of deformities that we're talking about. These are these are custom braces where you need to get a scanning or a molding done and then get something created specific for you that may have to be modified, you know, you know, as you know, deformity either changes or pain changes or swelling mm-hmm. goes up, swelling goes down. Sometimes we have to have some modifications. So the, these are definitely in that custom category that, that needs to be done in order to make them effective. So I love bracing, like Dr. Leonard said. I think it works great for the patients who are committed to it. And we use it all the time in our practice. And so uh, I think it's an excellent option for those who uh, want to explore that option and feel like they'll be committed to it. Any other thoughts on uh, custom bracing with these flat feet deformities, Dr. Lawrence? I don't think so. No, it's, it's, it's a great option for sure. But yeah, it's got to be custom to you. You can't get something off the shelf because these are all different. Everybody's is a little bit different. Yeah, so so just some parting, you know, we've talked about a lot today. I think next week we're going to talk about the reconstructive surgery side of flat feet. So we spent a lot of time. There's a whole, I mean, that's a whole other bucket. We could probably jump into three or four or five different rabbit holes with that. But um, Mm -hmm. we'll suspend that for today. But I think today, just some takeaways for those who are listening. Not all flat feet are created equal. Not all flat feet are painful. I think the things we can we can do from a high level is try to be in that preventative category. And I think there's a lot of really good things out there that we can do for you on a preventative side with custom orthotics, making sure you're in the right kind of shoes and addressing some of the early biomechanical causes of flat feet deformity with a good stretching therapy kind of regimens. We've talked about all those things today. Any other final parting thoughts for you, Dr. Leonard, as far as flat feet go? Yeah. If you're an adult, it's never too early to have them checked out and get on the preventative train, save you some headache down the road for sure. Yeah. Totally agree with all of that. So look forward to next week where we'll dive more into the surgical reconstructive side, but this is Dr. Waters, Dr. Leonard for the Fix My Feet podcast. Check us out on all our social media outlets, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, And also listen to us on your favorite listening platforms, Spotify, Apple, and anything else. Like us, give us five stars, and uh, look forward to continuing to bring you more education on the foot and ankle side of things. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Fix My Feet podcast. To schedule an appointment with one of our providers, visit www.prfootandankle.com.